Hey, welcome to React Roundup, the podcast where we keep you updated on all things React related. This show is sponsored by Raygun and produced by Top End Devs and Envoy. Top End Devs is where we create Top End Devs to get top end pay and recognition while working on interesting problems and making meaningful community contributions. And Envoy offers remote design and software development services on a task basis. So clients only pay after tasks are delivered and approved. In today's episode, we have a very special guest. So we have Dean Radcliffe, and we are going to be talking about uh, his library. So Dean created uh, a new universe of libraries, actually called RxFX. And for those of you that are familiar with RxJS, uh, you're going to probably already get the reference of the Rx in front. So it's definitely a library that um, solves problems with reactivity, and it is uh, framework agnostic. So right now it works on Angular, React, and it probably works on other frameworks too. So we're going to talk a bit about that and how this might be useful to improve the reactivity of your projects. By the way, my name is Lucas Paganini. If you don't already know that, uh, I'm one of the hosts here in the show. And joining me in today's episode is Chris Bruin. Hi, everybody. Peter Osa. Hi, everyone. And the one and only Charles Maxwood. Hey, folks. All right. So, yeah, Dean, let's get into it, man. So why don't we start with an introduction? Uh, give me your elevator pitch of RxFX. And then we can start diving deeper into the subject from there. Does that work? Yeah, sounds good. Okay. Okay, so first I'll introduce myself. I'm Dean Radcliffe. I, I say I'm a developer of many years experience uh, covering Java, .NET, Ruby, JavaScript, and TypeScript. Focused on full stack development with TypeScript at a large insurance company. Um, Luke is another play on RX from RXFX is it's like, it's your prescription for FX execution. Ooh, nice. Nice. There you go. <laughs> um, I live in the Chicago area with my wife and kids in first and third grade. And my interests include staying active, mental health, and playing a four string guitar of my own design. Um, RXFX. Okay. So what the heck is it? Why did I make it? So let's establish the context for RxFX. Writing async code is hard and error prone. And the recent advice from the React community around use effect and whether you should or not is confusing. We end up having to code for async edge cases all the time, like concurrency control, cancellation, progressive results, but we tend to treat them as edge cases. So we either miss building them in the first place or the code that we write to handle all the edge cases crowds out the happy path. So what if you could have a library usable in or out of any React component, which provided solutions to the most common 99% of async use cases you'll encounter without you having to declare a single new variable or write a single additional then or await? What if you had 
really nice composition of async effects that kind of covered the whole gamut, like RxJS has. Um, if you had that, you could also have full separation between your view logic and your effect logic. Um, there's been talk on this show about in, in episode 240 on code base patterns, how some people like to take the styled component stuff out of their, their file so that it's focused on rendering. And then some of you also take some of the async stuff out of your file and put it into a custom hook um, so that you have you know, a separation of concerns. So I'm a big fan of separation of concerns. And if you can move the effect stuff out, and I mean out, not even into a custom hook, um, but uh, all the way outside of React stuff, then you could test it without using React testing tools and tests could run fast, et cetera. So um, contextually, historically, to think about like some libraries that have filled this role over time, in the early days, does anyone remember the async library? It had methods like waterfall to like sequentially do async execution or I think parallel. Very early days of Node, right? Callback hell. We don't like callback hell, right? So <laughs> before, before promises... There were several attempts to solve callback hell, and uh, the async library was one of them. Now, people don't know this, but prior to Promises, Microsoft created the observable, the, uh, the, the, the foundation of RxJS, and something that's soon to be landing in your browsers. So RxJS uh, happened about uh, 12 years ago. And now... I think of Rx effects, at least for, for my personal evolution, it's the third generation of like async handling tools um, that is simpler than RxJS, but it's built on RxJS. And uh, it solves a bunch of React problems. And it's just kind of become my go-to pattern for, um, for anything that is not um, already covered by hooks like use query uh, of Apollo or like TanStack query. So those data fetching async things, there's really mature libraries for that. So RxFX isn't to replace those. It's to supplement those use cases like um, authentication, animation, playing sounds, modal dialogues. Anytime you're initiating an async uh, interaction with the user um, that is not already covered by one of those hooks, RxFX can be your your thing i'll pause there are there any questions or is that clear um i really like the so basically the idea is anything that you find yourself struggling to do asynchronously because it's not well covered by the the native root hooks that react exposes this is where rxfx would shine right so Basically, that's that's when uh, you would lean towards RxFX versus uh, just a, a use effect or, or something like that. Um, I like that. I would like to to get a few more examples on that and, and start maybe even going into some of the use, use cases where you you saw yourself using RxFX more, and that maybe you you hear that people are using it more for for those use cases. You briefly mentioned some of them, but I think it would be nice if we could go a little bit deeper on that. 
Sure, sure. And there's like three lenses to view like the kinds of problems it solves because that's clearly what it's all about. Like devs have have uh, what I call what we call DX problems, developer experience mm-hmm. problems. Um, yeah, you know, code maintenance and running tests and that kind of stuff. Uh, that's one lens that I found it helps. Um, UX, what a user expects when an async operation uh, occurs, they have a whole host of needs that, um, like, for example, they want to know, they want to see an activity indicator. They want to know, is this doing what I asked? So with RxFx, you can get a really nice activity indicator without having to declare a separate uh, use state for like is loading and set is loading. Um, so I recently went into a code base where there was an issue with uh, in, in, when a user aborted an authentication um, by, by canceling out of it, the spinner was still spinning because the set is loading uh, variable was still true. But um, imagine that you can just wrap any async function in something in like a higher order function that would give you this activity indicator uh, for free. That's something that um, that RxFx does. I mean, so users have expectations and it was really when I was trying to uh, satisfy the needs of the most picky users. And by that, I mean my mother who you know will push a button and be like, is this thing working? <laughs> Sounds like my mother. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, so uh, I compiled a little list of things that annoy my mother. <laughs> and mm. RxFx addresses them. If it doesn't show whether it's working or not, if it doesn't show something like percent complete, like is it working well enough or fast enough? That's also valuable information. Um, she'll change her mind. It's taking too long especially if you show her percent complete and it's stalled at one or stalled at 99 for 30 seconds, like so many things. Uh, so she'll want to cancel that or cancel that when route changes, right. Or, or something in your app. So cancellation is important for users and for our code bases and concurrency because she might smash the button multiple times if, if she thinks it's not doing something. And uh, errors fully recover. So I don't ever want to hit an error boundary. I don't ever want my users to hit an error boundary in React because like things are like really mm-hmm. broken for them. So RxFx is like having a, a circuit breaker panel where you add in async effects over time as you do in your code base. You send analytics events, you do this, you do that. Um, and what can happen to apps over time is they destabilize because one of these effects acts up. And now you've hit an error boundary or an uncaught, prom, un, uncaught rejection. Um, so RxFx has like got you know, each of your effects behind like a circuit breaker. So if you or any other developer fails to handle uh, an exception, the scope of that exception uh, or error is limited to the, the thing that caused it. and. Uh, from a, so from a user's experience, you want to be able to gracefully recover. And um, also, you want to be able to set timeouts on things very easily. I was on a site 
um, uh, uh, an insurance site. Um, and they had just started asking, they popped up a new modal dialogue that they didn't have before. I used to log in and go right to this homepage. They popped up a modal dialogue that said, are you using English or Spanish? Now, never mind that they probably should have been detecting that from the headers of my browser, but they pop up this modal dialogue in a light box and I click the button and it doesn't dismiss the modal. Modal. And the modal doesn't time out. Like nobody thought at the beginning of this modal, how long is it worth the user on this screen that they can't get off of? Uh, well, obviously they thought that the user would just make a choice and it'd be over, right? But it should be a design consideration for, for anything uh, that takes time. What's a reasonable amount of time? So timeouts, I think, are important in, in just about any async effect execution. Um, so I've actually written a, a sub-library in this universe of libraries called uh, RxFX Perception where you can use constants like deep breath. That's about 4,000 milliseconds. Should it time out after a deep breath? Should it time out after a blink of an eye? That's about 150 milliseconds. You know, like, you know, you should be able to choose uh, user-centered values for, for timeouts. And you should be able to plug them into your code, like I said, without complicating the happy path. It should be like progressive enhancement that doesn't like cause you to go back to the drawing board and rewrite everything from scratch. So, so what I'm kind of wondering, because you're, you're talking about some of these different examples, but um, in practice, if I'm going to put this into my code, you know, does it look or feel like promises? I mean, under the hood, it may work completely different. I don't know about that, but, you know, or does it, look or feel more like uh, observables in RxJS? Okay, um, you know, yeah. Could it be so, classified so, as observables or classified as promises or classified as something else? Or is this a completely different way of doing things? Well, no, it's, it's, it's not that different. Um, and uh, if people are curious to see one of these things in action, um, like right away, you can go to Code Sandbox and look for an RxFX template and it'll show you an async counter. So the old counter uh, uh, example from React and every other framework has an incrementing counter. So um, if, that, if that counter takes some time, so you can take a look at, at the code right away. But basically, Charles, imagine you have an async function that returns either a promise or an observable. It, it doesn't matter. RxFX mm -hmm. isn't going to force you into observables. If you have promise returning functions, you can use those. And so imagine a higher order function that you pass your promise returning function into. And we'll, we'll use the simplest one called uh, create effect. Okay, so you pass your promise returning function into create effect. And what you get back is a function that you can call to begin that effect. But already concurrency controlled. So if you said create queuing effect, then multiple calls to that function that will, will enqueue each promise after the other. And you also have on that return value, it's a function you can call. The return value from create effect is a function you can call, but it also has a lot of methods and properties on it, including is active. 
which you can subscribe to, to find out, is that function still executing? Um, and uh, what else? I mean, there's a number of things on there. I don't want to overwhelm you, but basically it's a higher order function um, that you know just lets you call that original function, but mm-hmm. um, have access to things like activity and cancellation in a uniform way. So now promises are not cancelable, like by default. So if you want to do like a cancelable Ajax, you return an observable of that Ajax and observables are cancelable. So if cancellation is important, that's one reason to use this higher order function um, around your your function because uh, what comes back from create effect or create service is um, is something that has a dot cancel current method on it. And so, you know, you're not declaring new state variables for like is canceled or whatever. You have like programmatic access. So yeah, the, the original functions, Charles, that you have returning promises, those still exist. And they don't have to know anything about RxFx. It's, it's RxFx that takes that function and provides these convenience wrappers on top of it. Mm, okay. Okay. So, so expanding a little bit more on that. So, first, I know that the library is uh, framework agnostic, so I don't expect hooks, for example, to be uh, first class first class citizens for all the distributions of the library. Just because if it were on an Angular context, that would that would make no sense. But I also understand that at least at this moment. Uh, most of the developers that are using and finding uh, a huge amount, a huge amount of value from RxFx are within the React community, at least at this moment. So, right. um, let's let me grasp a little bit better, and, and, and also let's try to give the audience, which is just listening to us. Uh, unfortunately, uh, most of them w- won't be watching us, but. Um, uh, on YouTube or, or something like that. But do you have uh, a hooks version for each of those of those packages of the RxFx yes. universe? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, our, so I took uh, great inspiration from um, the XState library that kind of has its own universe of libraries for defining state machines and then having uh, hooks to tie your state machines into your components. So it's exactly like that in the sense that you're, this, this higher order function, um, what do we call a service or an effect, um, depending on whether it's keeping track of state. Like, I also want to talk about state management and uh, how, how the um, PubSub nature of RxFx can simplify state inside of your uh, React applications. But um, yeah, the, the hook, uh, there, there are hooks for um, just using it in a very familiar hook interface for React developers. Nice, nice. Okay. Um, and in other contexts, just for completion, so if the person were to use your library within an Angular code base, for example, then what would be the the interface to interact with it? Would it be something close to observables with uh, uh, like pipeable classes 
with your functions or how does it look like? Um, so, uh, the, the, so there's a, a very lightweight version of uh, this higher order component thing, which I just call an effect. It just applies concurrency, control, and cancellation and activity tracking to any async function. Then, but I think the most useful place that people will want to start uh, is is the service, which is both an effect that's concurrency controlled and all those things, but also keeps track of state. So now, if your service keeps track of state, so for example, uh, you're beginning um, an uh, OAuth flow, and the state that you want to keep track of is the access token that came back. Um, that well, let me see. That was not something you would paint to the UI. Let's say that you're uh, making, uh, let's say you're in an Apollo application. And so your server has uh, all its GraphQL stuff uh, tidied up, but you want to make a one-off REST call to get a random cat GIF from a service. Okay, so now you need to get that random cat GIF into the UI in Angular. Um, You can async pipe the state of that service right into your Angular template. So because um, the state is reactive slash observable itself, in a React context, you can consume it with hooks. In an Angular context, you can consume it with an async pipe. Um, and those are, those are two ways you can, you can get at it. Okay. Okay. Uh, when you mean async pipe, you mean, um, you mean a native async pipe, which would be an asynchronous function generator. So uh, you would have something like a um, for async const off, and then you, you pipe through the stream of data using native async generators. Or would it be uh, a library-specific implementation such as what RxJS has with dot .pipe? Oh, no, I didn't mean either of those. And I I might have gotten the terminology wrong. But in the Angular templating language, you can... uh, Oh, gotcha. The async pipe from from Angular, uh, the native pipe that Angular exposes. Okay, okay. That makes sense. Yes, yes. That's what I meant. Mm, Interesting, interesting. Okay. And let's say that I wanted to extend something that your library does with some other uh, observables directly from RxJS? Because I imagine, and that uh, that's an assumption, but you can correct me if I'm wrong, that internally, the universe of libraries from RxFX is built using RxJS, right? Yes, yes. Uh, Do I have the possibility at any point to directly deal with RxJS observable classes? Yes, you, you totally do. And um, I think one of the differences with uh, kind of Rx effects to like, uh, you could say that it's opinionated because it focuses on a subset that seems to deliver the most bang for the buck for, you know, a, a shorter learning curve. So, um the place that you would most likely to start using an observable in RxFX is as a return value from a function. You used to return a promise, now you return an observable. Why would you do that? One, because you want it to be cancelable. Okay, every observable since 2011 when they came up with it is cancelable. 
promises are still working on that with abort controllers. And it's not every promise that can take an abort controller. So, uh, and, and you also need a reference to that abort controller around to cancel it. So it's, it's the DX of canceling promises is, is quite awkward, but the DX developer experience for canceling observables is, is super easy. It's, you know how a use effect function, you have like the code it runs and then you return a cleanup function. Yeah, they lifted that right off of observables. <laughs> that's how observables do it. You return a cleanup function. So that's what allows you to cancel from the outside. In other words, you don't have to pass a, a signal in or an abort controller. You can just cancel it because you don't need any other reference to cancel it. Um, I think I got off track there a little bit. Oh, where would you use observables? So now RxJS has some very cool what they call operators, and um, there's a there's a, a, an example that I, I built of a you know when you go to the self checkout grocery line, um, there's a there's a, a card reader, and you're supposed to click pay now on the user interface before you stick your card in. But sometimes I forget and I stick the card in and I'm like, shouldn't you just figure it out? Um, and it's like, no, I got to click the pay now button. So it turns out it doesn't matter what order you, you uh, click the pay now and, and uh, insert the credit card. So Rx has an operator called zip. Two frames or observables and tell you when each one of them the value so give you pairs of values so in this case if you had a service for an rx effect service for um, when the user hits the pay now button and an rx effect service for when the credit card is put in you can use that zip operator from rxjs to like get uh the combine you know the moment that they that they both happen i suppose you could also use like all but um but yeah, I mean, so there is complete interop. I haven't cut off the uh, the option to use any advanced RxJS feature. Um, I've just made it so that you generally don't have to. And when you are using an observable, you're using it as a return value from a function. So you're not using, you're not usually calling dot subscribe on an observable. Whereas almost every RxJS example has you defining an observable and calling dot subscribe on it. And there's a lot of confusion in that community of whether you should call dot subscribe or whether you should tap a you know function into it so that it runs for each value. So by using the observable as a return value in RxFX, you're sidestepping that that issue um, entirely. Okay, I, I really like that. I like that you're providing a simplified approach to some of the. Uh, user experience features that people can get with RxJS while still allowing people to tap into RxJS uh, full flexibility to create other stuff. This is this is really nice, really nice. Yeah, the, the, the challenge is the learning curve of RxJS is really steep. And there's four incredibly useful operators out of maybe a hundred that they have. There are four that distinguish themselves far above the others. And unfortunately, they have some of the most confusing names, but they deal with concurrency. <laughs> yeah, they do. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Merge map. Uh, yeah. 
map. What what the heck? I can you know I can never remember yeah. it. So those concurrency modes. If you don't mind, I'm going to try to do a little demo here with audio, so you can hear what these concurrency modes are, so that you can imagine yourself using them in your application. And can I can I try that? Yeah, let's okay. give it a shot. All right. So um, this is an application um, that is going to read a list of names. And the, the, it's going to have a race condition because it's not going to be done reading the first name by the time the second name came in. Uh, come, you know, the second name is asked to mm-hmm. do that. So let's see if, if we can hear a couple of, uh, of names in this application. Okay, let's try this one more. Uh, an application that's going to um, read names with a race condition where one name is not done being spoken uh, by the time the second one begins. Lucas Charles Maxwood. Was that better? Can I turn the volume yep. up? And- yeah, I could hear that. Charles Maxwood. Ooh, that's a race condition there. So, um, let's let's um, so so this happens all the time that you that you have race conditions and you need to solve them. So, what those four RxJS operators I was referring to do is they allow you basically all of the fundamental ways you can handle a race condition. Now, how do I know that they're all the fundamental ways? Well, there's, there's a couple of things you can do. If, if an effect is going and a new effect comes in, you can um, either start it right away on the other one or not start it at all. For something like a form submission, if someone tries to submit a form twice, you don't want to start that that next form submission. Um, and other times you want to queue things, like for this name solution, queuing might be the nice solution. And other times you want to switch from the one that was executing, you want to cancel that and start a new one. So these four RxJS operators uh, with their funny names um, are, are accessible under more friendly names in the uh, RxFX uh, landscape. So I'm gonna, uh, I've called what, what, uh, this mode immediate mode, which had the race condition. It starts the new effect immediately. Um, the next mode is going to be called simply queuing. So I'm gonna run the same function, right? Remember, you just, you have a function that plays a name, your core thing. You pass it into one of these RxFX higher order functions, and now you have, a concurrency controlled version of that. So here's the queuing version. Lucas Paganini, Charles Maxwood. Okay. And you can see, I didn't, I, I'm not showing you the code, but you're hearing it. Uh, I didn't have to change any of the, um, any of the, the, the playing function, right? And I, there's no additional lines of code. You're just saying, instead of create effect, you're saying create queuing effect. So another one would be create blocking effect. So whose name are you going to hear when we say block the second one? Lucas Paganini. Sorry, Charles, you were blocked, right? So sometimes you want to re- resolve. I'm used okay. to it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I know a thing or two about that. So. <laughs> um, wow, that was good. Um, so the blocking mode 
Another one is the switching mode. And there are concrete use cases in development for all of these. So now we're going to start doing one and then we're going to switch to the other one. Luke, Charles Max Wood. You see, you only got the start off and then you canceled it and then you went to the next name. And then as I did my investigation, there's, there's a fifth one, um, which is not in RxJS and it's not the most useful, but it's useful in one case where you want the second request to simply shut off the first and not begin anything that's called toggling. Loop. Loop. Ah, okay. It's a shutdown. So being able to choose which currency strategy programmatically without changing any of your code is just very powerful because you're building a user interface. You might just want to try, like, which, which is the best... Uh, which is the best concurrency strategy for this? So, for example, um, when uh, I get new emails, a bell rings. Okay, so two bells ring at the same time. Their volume levels can add up to too high for your speaker to play, and it can get all wonky. So, you probably don't want to run the bells in immediate mode. And if I get five emails at once, you probably don't want to run them in queuing mode either, so that I hear you know, five consecutive dings over and over. So maybe for that one, you want to use blocking. It's already ringing. So a new email comes in. Don't worry about it. It's already ringing. You don't need to notify them again. Um, or you might, oh yeah, you don't want to use switching mode where it begins a ding for the first email and every new email, uh, ding, 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 ding. But maybe you do. I don't know. It really depends on the app. So. I think that's the mode my kids operate in. Dad, <laughs> dad, dad, dad. Yeah. <laughs> well, my first analogy for this, Charles, was if you're making a sandwich at the stove, you know, your kid wants a grilled cheese sandwich and uh, they, and you're cooking the grilled cheese sandwich. And then they're like, dad, I want chicken nuggets. Uh-huh. These are the five ways you can respond. So these are universal. This is not just code. This is like anytime. So what can you do? You can just start a new pan and start making the chicken nuggets at the same time. That's immediate. You can say, okay, but I got to finish this grilled cheese. I'll start your chicken nuggets after this. That's queuing. You can say, I'm making your grilled cheese. No dice. You're having grilled cheese. That's my default, by the way. Very sensible. <laughs> To be to be blocking, <laughs> you only have so much concurrency you can do. That's right. right. Um, and then switching is like, oh, okay, let's wrap up the grilled cheese and tinfoil and get your chicken nuggets going. And toggling, this is the funniest one. Uh, I'm making a grilled cheese, and my and my kid goes, uh, "Can I have chicken nuggets instead?" I just stop making the grilled cheese and throw my hands and be like, "Make your own damn lunch." <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, I usually don't do. But um, in any event... Uh, My kids having... are teenagers, so I have done that. Oh, good. Can't wait to get there myself. So uh, I I really like the idea of just the simple renaming of things in RxJS. It sounds so stupid saying it out loud, but a lot of what they need is just renaming some of their operators because you're right merge map concat map it's just 
Okay. I, I find myself opening up the RxJS docs more than I should. So uh, they definitely could simplify some of the, the namings there. Uh, I'd like to know how are they called in RxFX? So for example, this uh, serialization of events, which I believe is done with concat map, if I'm, if I'm correct. Um, how is that called in the RxFX universe? Queuing. Good. Okay. <laughs> That's a great example of how things can be simpler. All right. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and uh, there, you know, by, by the way, uh, um, one solution to the complexity is to just bear down and learn it. Another one is to use RxFX. And a third one is to go back and contribute to uh, the RxJS docs, uh, they're actively soliciting soliciting that. And in uh, it was episode twenty two on your show that you had the RxJS team on, and they're like, "Yeah, we really care about docs." So like, this is not to like, you know, uh, um, say that that it can't improve in that in that direction or that it hasn't. Like, it it is improving, but uh, it certainly feels simpler for me when I'm explaining this to junior devs on my team, you know, to say queuing, blocking, switching, immediate. It, it, it just requires no explanation. And it also doesn't require um, using like dot pipe and pulling in one of these operators by name. It's just, you're just really create changing, you know, is it a create uh, effect? Is it create queuing effect? Is it create... Uh, switching effect, you're just changing the name of the higher order function. So that's maybe a little more like, you know, low dash and underscore have like specifically named functions. Whereas in RxJS, you you have this this uh, piping style. It gets the job done. It solves the concurrency issues. It was the inspiration, clearly for for what I have. But um, but it's it's not it's not a one liner. It does introduce another import. It does introduce uh, another uh, line in the pipe, which is not much, but you know it's a one-line change to go create effect to create queuing effect. And if it solves your problem, well, then that's a one-pointer in your sprint, not a five-pointer. And especially for those in the React uh, universe, this is probably going to be the simplest way to introduce RxJS into the context of React. Because a recent episode that we had, and we were talking about how we approach reactivity, um, we we don't see people using RxJS within React just because uh, it doesn't play well with the universe of hooks, right? But with this, then now you, now you can't. So this exposes all the power of RxJS within the familiarity that React developers expect um, of to with the React universe. So I think that anyone that is using React and wants to add those reactivity features, this is thus far I haven't heard of a a better way to a better library that deals with such issues. Wow, that's that's great to hear. Um, and I'll I'll mention that like. 
um, it, it, using just plain use effect, you can get two out of these five modes pretty easily. You can get immediate mode. So imagine a component that takes a name prop and you want it to speak a name when that name changes. You can envision use effect, name dependency, call this function that speaks the name, right? So you can get immediate mode. And if the prop changes rapidly, um, you'll hear overlap with the names. Okay, but sometimes you want um, you know, things to run concurrently. So it's just one of the five valid modes. Also, because you can return that cleanup function from use effect, you can shut down and you know, cancel the first one and begin the second one. So you have two of those options. But, um, but it, it, then if you're going to be queuing them, for example, um, you're, you're adding new variables. And you know, as a code reviewer, um, I can't imagine you know, a single form that you know, somebody's queuing implementation would take. There'd probably be a bunch of different developers would do a bunch of different styles. You know, but with, with RxFX, if you want to switch to queuing, it's a one-liner and it's the same one-liner no matter where you do it in the project. So, um, so then you're, you're, uh, you're, you're safe. You know, it's simpler to read and write and debug. And this, this actually brings me to like one of the first use effect um, cases that I saw where I just became absolutely convinced that we need to move effects out of the component tree. We need React to react to our effects. We don't need our effects to react to React. Um, and and it was it was a, a stopwatch published by Kent C. Dodds about three years ago that had an is running state field and a stop button to uh, to flip that is running to false. And it had a counter that as it was running, it would run. And uh, what he noticed um, was that there were, when you sometimes, only once in a while, maybe once in five to 10 times, you'd stop the stopwatch. And I'm wondering if the smiling uh, means that some of you have seen this before. But you'd stop the stopwatch and it would tip one more time, not every time. How the heck is a developer to figure this out? And uh, he made a call for solutions. And um, one, and I think the most widely accepted solution was uh, defensive coding. Basically, change it to use reducer and only update pick uh, is running still true. Right? So just basically like when a tick comes in, make sure that you're still running before you update the display of what that of what that tick is. But that doesn't actually prevent the tick from happening, does it? It just prevents you from seeing the tick. And that just got under my skin. I said, this is not a solution. And so like, what is the problem? Well, the problem is that it takes an extra React render cycle Actually, call your stop your your you know so imagine you have a use effect that does a set interval and then a cleanup function that does a clear interval and then you have a state field that's a dependency to control that interval well from the moment that the stop button uh calls an event handler that changes the state on that 
to the moment that your effect get canceled, it's not instantaneous. Like, so you're not actually talking directly to your effect. You're talking to React, which then talks to your effect. And we already know that like React uh, can and will change its timing. You know, it's, it's allowed to optimize and batch your set state calls. And it's allowed to do all kinds of things. But the end result is that your effect is d- dependent on, uh, on when React updates state. And I just said, you know, I, I, I've worked in Backbone before. And, you know, I've worked in... Oh, the good old days. Yeah, yeah. Um, places. I have good know, memories of Backbone. But yeah, there are more powerful tools now. There's more powerful tools, but the the fact that it was very event oriented and you could like react to an event right away as opposed to like reacting to a state change. So I I basically like am now skeptical of just about any use effect that does async stuff because, you know, you can just ask like when React changes a major version and potentially re-optimizes its stuff, are you going to have maybe more conditions like the stopwatch that continues to tick are you going to have more are you going to have less can you can you really vouch as a developer for like you know you've controlled for all those future possibilities Mm -hmm. well as long as your effect execution and cancellation has to go through react you can't you can't vouch for that you take it out of react you have something that can literally just just stop the effect no more ticks like right away so I think we should want that. I think we should want to get that control back. Um, it's nice to use what React gives you. It's nice that it's not an additional uh, library install. Um, it's nice that it's not an additional learning curve and there's tons of examples. It's nice that Copilot can spit out use effect code at a, at a, a you know, a breakneck uh, speed. But it's not nice that you don't, you know, it, you give up some of your ownership of of uh when things execute um when when timing matters you want to keep that control so i guess we're kind of getting toward the end of our available time um you know and still do kind of the self promo picks whatever we wind up doing at the end of the show um but i'm i'm curious as we look at this and go okay um it, it sounds like there are some areas where this makes a lot more sense than use effect or you know, trying to pull in RxJS or something like that. So, so how do I get this in my app? Yeah, cool. Um, uh, good question. Uh, a good place to start, like I said, uh, if you want to see some functioning examples that pull it into React, um, look for uh, an RxFX template um, in a Code Sandbox or search for uh, any number of the dozens uh, of examples there. But uh, if you're ready to proceed, you do an NPM install of at sign RxFx slash, I suggest people start with service. Um, It's an effect container and a state container. Um, And then you take your function that you want to concurrency control, for example, and you call create service, you give it a name, and then you pass your function. Um, the name is useful because uh, underneath uh, RxFX is an event bus, and you can like 
spit out uh, log messages that have the name, like, you know, started, completed, next, all those values. So you give it a name and you give it your function. Uh, and then you, uh, and then you take the return value from create service and, um, you can call it like a higher order function, like just as, as the original function and the TypeScript types, you know, um, transfer between, um, or you can call dot request, which is my preferred way of, of, of interfacing with it because it's clear that now it's an object with a lot of fields and properties rather than just a function, but you mm-hmm. can, you can call it like a function. So it's really that import. Then RxFXify, that's hard to say, um, <laughs> pass, pass like your function point. into the higher order function, create service or create effect, and then call methods uh, on the thing that came back. And that gives you your concurrency control. Uh, if you're just ringing a bell, you don't really need to get state variables back into React. You just need to you know, ring the bell in a concurrency controlled and cancelable fashion. But since most effects deal with state and remembering state, um, you can use the use service hook from the uh, at rx effects um, slash uh, react package. And then that'll give you a reactive value of the state. So your counter, for example, uh, keeps track of its state. And um, so uh, you, uh, oh, you can, you can pass a reducer, <laughs> by the way, for for the create service um, call. It's the name, it's the function, and then it's a reducer to, um, to update that state on any lifecycle event, like when a request happens, when a response happens, when it's canceled, you can like, you know, massage that state with the reducer. And uh, so it's pretty simple as a drop-in um, that, that uh, can work for one component. And I'm going to mention uh, signals. If you're interested in signals, one of the reasons people are interested in signals is that you can have two components that import a third thing and they can talk to each other, right? One can update the signal and the other thing can consume from the signal and they can uh, update each other without there being a React context that they all participate in and without passing getters and setter functions around. So that RxFX service or the RX effect bus, which is a lower level uh, event bus, um, those uh, you can you can you can communicate between components without uh, prop drilling your setters and and without doing context by um, by each component having a reference to the service. One can make requests of the service. One can consume the responses of the service. And uh, and yeah, a lot less prop drilling that way. Very cool. That was, yeah, that was a lot, man. Um, crazy how much content there is with regards to reactivity and yeah. how much of a pain point it is to, to a lot of developers that just haven't found a, a, an easy way to introduce them, to introduce this into their their projects. So they end up doing what you mentioned that that can't see dots did for, for a very long time, which is just having another variable to track uh, if the request is pending or not. I think we, we all did that in, in a situation or Certainly. another. Um, so yeah, su- super interesting content. And we all uh, feel bad about it too. 
yeah, yeah, definitely. Especially when it doesn't too work. Bad. <laughs> when it doesn't work, we feel bad. Yeah. Um, so we we do gotta start wrapping up just because uh we're approaching the, the end of our of our time available, unfortunately. But I'd like to ask you, Dean, uh, is there anything in particular that you feel that needs to be mentioned that we haven't covered yet? Um, that is like critical for us to really close this this subject? Or should we just start wrapping up? Um I'll I'll say that uh testing goes uh very nicely um when they're externalized from your react components and i'll also say that um in one piece of code that i cleaned up recently there was a lot of uh um a lot of the code around a relatively simple um async operation had to do with uh, console logging statements of when something occurred and and try catch blocks to handle exceptions um, and so RxFX has opinions about both of those. You can uh, log every every event from a service. All services participate on uh, an event bus. And you can just spit out every event that goes on on that event bus. And boom, you're not writing console log statements for like service returned a value, you know, or async function had an error. And you're not writing try catch either because um, the... Uh, the the service basically turns uh, errors that might crash your program into um, just events on the event bus um, with the slash error uh, suffix. So uh, yeah, error handling and uh, um, spitting out console logs uh, not one of the more like glamorous or asynky things, um, but certainly something you can do with it that makes it easier. I've used it, by the way, to understand uh, understand uh, code bases. Um, uh, I, I, I've, I've used event bus logging rather um, to to understand code bases, and um, the, the the three kind of uh, layers of RX effects is first I developed an event bus, um, then I created a service layer that can. Um, uh, you know, keep track of state and do concurrency control. And then lastly, I created the, the reduce, uh, the minimal interface create effect, which does away with uh, naming of things and does away with having a reducer. So uh, those are your three kind of like entry points. Um, I recommend RxFX service as like the main entry point because it's like the all batteries included version. And if you want to further customize what goes on, you can look at the RxFX bus library and write uh, listeners uh, exactly exactly as you want them and address some edge cases there. Uh, I'll also say that the library is pretty mature uh, in that it started development um, uh, like four years ago. It became um, very TypeScriptified about two years ago. So it's very TypeScript friendly. And there just hasn't been a lot of need to change the interface to it in the last uh, year or two. So there might be bells and whistles. There's always improvements uh, and especially documentation that can be added, but um, it's pretty complete. And uh, the best way to communicate with me about it is probably in GitHub uh, uh, discussions and issues on the 
uh, repo, which we'll, uh, we'll put in the show notes, right? And uh, also, I don't have a ton of time. <laughs> Strangely, I'm promoting it because I think it should be used, but I don't know how much time I'll have to like answer questions and do like full community around this. So if anyone's interested in uh, kind of being an active collaborator, maintainer on this, I, I welcome you with open arms. Awesome, awesome. And yeah, it, I think you touched on a, on a great subject. We, we indeed haven't talked much about testing, so it's good that you, that you mentioned this at the end. Um, all right, so first off, uh, let's, let's do some promos, but I... I'm already going to say that, Dean, this has been great. Thank you so much for for joining the, the episode. I'm really uh, impressed with the fact that you, you did all this preparation for the show. I highly appreciate that. So, uh, yeah, I, I definitely, definitely appreciate all the effort that you put into bringing valuable content for the audience. And I hope that they can repay all, all that effort in a way that is going to be interesting to you. So, so what would you like to, to promote? Like, do you want people to consume your content, um, follow you on social media? What uh, could people do to help you out? Um, I would say uh, for now, it's, it's any interaction on GitHub that's starring the repo, uh, that's uh, adding things to discussions and issues. And I am uh, on Twitter at Dean Dev Dad. Sorry, that's X, uh, Dean Dev Dad. And I can include the socials uh, for everybody. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not, well, we'll see. If I get more engagement, maybe I'll be on there more. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, definitely going to start that repository. I'm going to send a link to the repository here in the in the comments. So all of you that are watching this live, make sure to go into this repository and give it a star. It definitely deserves. So yeah, I uh, appreciate that, Dean. Um, yeah. So on my end, I'm just going to promote Envoid. So it's U-N-V-O-I-D. So the inverse of void. Um, and basically what it does differently from every other company that provides outsourcing services and staff augmentation services is that with Envoid, you don't pay by the hour. You pay by deliverables. So they work on a sprint basis. And for each sprint, tasks are determined and they are estimated. So for each task, we're going to have estimates of points. And the clients only pay after the tests are delivered and approved. So if it's software development, that would mean a PR that not only was open, but approved. And maybe even after it is merged into the code base, that's only then that it becomes billable. So it is the safest way for companies to outsource their design and software development teams and expand their uh, human resources in a way in which they're going to still be able to track how much value those extra professionals are bringing to the table and not just how many hours they have consumed in a given period. So if any of you listening to this is interested in that kind of service or know somebody that could be interested, it is unvoid.com, Envoid. 
So yeah, you can just go there and click on a button to schedule a meeting um, with one of Envoy's representatives. So yeah, um, Peter, Chris, you two were awfully quiet in this episode. Um, so I'm hoping that we can change this now. Uh, so let's Dean's do very some. intimidating. It, he is. Yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have to be quiet because I'm quite learning a lot. So the concept is <laughs> something I'm adopting, right? So I'm actually quite enjoying it. So that's why I'm, I'm kind of paying attention. Nice, nice. Uh, yes. Yeah, so let, let's start with you, Peter. So what would you like to promote? Yeah, today I just want to paste the RF, the Git book for RxFx today, right? So I was looking through it and it's kind of awesome, kind of gave explanation on what it's about. So I think that's what I want to drop today. I'll just drop the link on the chat. Yeah. The, the, the Git book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's, uh, it's, it hasn't been updated in a little while, but uh, I'm glad that you found that and mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. It's just a starting point. Yeah, maybe you can just get, can I get, get the idea. Yeah, I dropped it. Cool. Okay. Thank you, Peter. Um, Chris, what's up? Hi. Right. Yeah. Uh, first, I want to say thanks a lot, Dean. That was that was really awesome. Uh, I, I could just, I just had flashbacks of all the pain points you mentioned. <laughs> with with race conditions and and unfortunately i am the last person i always try and do it with just react and maybe that's probably a dumb decision so i'm i'm sold on i'm going to try out your library and i'm i'm working on stuff where i really need a lot of this this uh concurrency and and all this queuing stuff so mm-hmm. uh but yeah really thanks a lot and and i've i've looked a little bit on the repo and and yeah it looks awesome so I'm I'm happy to try it. So with that, I'm I'm just yeah. gonna link to to my blog. I I as I mentioned, I have a few projects coming up with with automation and uh, hopefully some some RxFx in there um, and a few things with AI. So, but yeah, thanks. Mm. Cool, cool. All right, and Charles, how about you? I left the best yeah. one for last. I don't know about best, but. Uh... Anyway, um, so I've got a couple of things going on here lately. Um, I'm going to be really brief with the technical stuff because there's something else that I kind of want to say. So first of all, um, I'm right in the thick of actually putting together summits for uh, Ruby, React, and JavaScript. Uh, The Ruby summit will be in February. The React summit will be at the beginning of March. Or the middle of March, and the um, the JavaScript summit will be in April. And you know, you can you anyway. I'll I'll have information up. Um, I own I already own the domains because I've done summits before. I'm doing these a little different. Um, if you go sign up with your email, you'll get emails when the talks are released. Um, I'm not doing any live element to it this time. And basically what I'm doing is I'm asking the question, what's the future of whatever, right? Of Ruby, React, or JavaScript, right? And so people can talk about what they see coming or if they have expertise in like machine learning or something else, right? Then maybe they'll just inform that part. But anyway, um, yeah, so the second week of each month is when I'm planning on doing those. 
Um, so keep an eye out for those. I'm also pulling together some challenges to just level people up on stuff. So, uh, yeah, watch for that as well. Um, but the thing that I really want to talk about, and I'm, you know, it's going to get a little heavy folks. It's going to be a little bit of a downer. Um, and if I know certain people get, I hate the word triggered, but I know certain people are sensitive to, uh, people talking about self-harm or suicide. And so if, if it's going to bother you, then this is the time that you skip to the next episode that you're going to listen to. Um, so right before Christmas, uh, the Tuesday before Christmas, my brother tried to kill himself and, um, he failed. He bought himself a pistol and tried to shoot himself. Um, and his hand moved. And so instead of shooting himself in the brain, he shot himself through the eyes. And so he's blind now, but, um, anyway, so for the last like four weeks, uh, you know, I've been at the hospital and I've been trying to help my mom figure stuff out, and, uh, all kinds of different things. And, um, things got pretty dark for me to the point where I actually went and talked to a therapist. By the time I got to the therapist, I was actually mostly past all the anger and everything else that you kind of feel in these situations. But I want to encourage people that if you are feeling, if you're feeling in that dark place to go get help, right? Um, and, and don't go through it alone. And then the other thing is, is that if you have a family member or a friend or somebody who you know is feeling that kind of, he said he felt stuck in his life and, uh, you know, wasn't, it wasn't going to change. And I imagine a lot of people are feeling that right in, in different ways. And so that's the other piece is if you're, if you're feeling, so if you're feeling low, go get help. And if you have a family member that's a little bit of a loner or, you know, exhibit certain uh, level of um, frustration with their life or things like that, just be there for them. You know, just just talk to them, see if you can get them to open up, see if there's something you can do to help them. Um, and then the the other piece to this is, as I've talked to friends in various circles that I that I operate in here in my personal life, you know, at church or um, I'm fairly involved politically. And, you know, I had some people relying on me for things that I had to push back. And so I explained what was going on. I found that a lot of people encounter this. I had a lot of people tell me, hey, look, uh, I had a brother absolutely. or a child or absolutely. a spouse or a friend that tried to kill themselves. Yeah. And, or, or in some cases they succeeded. And so that's the uh, that's the last thing that I want to just point out is if you're going through something like this where you know you're struggling because a family member or a friend attempted suicide or you know is just going through something really hard don't keep it to yourself because you're not the only person going through it um you know one of the things that really helped me is my two best friends and I we get together every week well three of my best friends now because we invited another guy into the group um we we play board games and so we got together and we played board games and just talked right i just talked through my thing and you know one of my other friends he's struggling with his marriage and he's talked through his stuff right my the other guy in our group uh lost a child last year and so you know when that when he went through that we talked through it and uh you know so go find people that you can open up to and I don't know. I, I don't know if there's anything concrete that I'm looking to 
you know, necessarily put out there other than that we all go through stuff, right? We're all broken in some way and you don't have to do it by yourself. So if, if there's any message I can just put forward today, it's that. Okay. So, um, and, and thank and you for, I couldn't have put this out a week ago cause I was still an emotional mess, but you know, that's the other thing is, is I've been able to work through a lot of it. So. Thank you for talking about it and destigmatizing it. And I know it must have been hard for you to get to this point. Yeah, well, you know, like I said, people have helped me out with it. And, you know, holding it in, you feel like you're all by yourself and you're just, you're not. So, anyway. Yeah. Dude, um, that is some heavy stuff that I think definitely needs to be addressed more and in situations where it's just not necessarily expected. Like for those of you tuning into the show, uh, you probably didn't join today's episode expecting to to receive content about that. But the thing is, it's not supposed to warrant an entire like scenario to talk about this. This should be something that uh, we talk about when there is something to be to be said, not when like we create an entire environment just to talk about this particular thing. In this, like mentioning this in here is, uh, I believe, a good way forward for society and trying to like address this in in each situation where it is pertinent. You know, so I think this is one one of the issues is like people are. Uh, could be talking about this with their psychologist. Okay, but mm-hmm. what about in the regular day-to-day life? You know, do, do you see other people opening up about what they're actually going through and normalizing that stuff so that others don't feel like they are completely different, you know, because a lot of people are going through, through different stuff. And a lot of times uh, the the people that are going through it, they just feel that they are the only ones going through something like that, mm-hmm. you know? So there's not a uh, normatization of uh, of this happening with others and thus you feel like the problem is you. And yeah, so so I, I really appreciate that you brought this up and it is something that uh, I think, I think you're setting a good example for, for bringing it up. I know it is a, it's a completely sensible subject. Uh, it, it, it's got to be, be tough talking about the, those things, you know, and, and just knowing that afterwards you, you could have people reaching out to you and, and like you kind of remember something that maybe you didn't want it to remember uh, uh, sometime for now. But, but I, I really appreciate that. So, yeah, man, thanks. So, guys, thank you so much. Dean, again, just ending up with a positive note, dude. This was awesome. I would yeah, love it's to terrific. Have you on the show. Terrific yeah. stuff. Feel free to come back uh, more more times. So uh, I'm sure that we could like even talk more about just RX effects, but I'm sure there are a lot of other stuff that we can talk about too. So yeah, man, uh, please reach out uh, in, in a couple of weeks or something so that we can schedule other episodes. Sure, sure. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you. Thank you for the engagement and leaning in. I, I felt good. No worries. No worries. Yeah. 
Okay, thanks everyone. Uh, thanks yep. for sticking with us up until the end, and I'll see you next, in the next time, everybody. One.